0: Hi, creative. It's Lauren here. I just want to remind you that if you love the podcast, the best way to support the show is by leaving it a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Actually, Spotify just started accepting ratings. So go ahead and rate it on there and tell all your friends to do it because it's super simple. It takes literally one second. I mean, maybe four seconds, but it's really quick. And uh, another great way to support the show is by sharing it with a friend or posting about it on social media. If you do post it on social media, tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. And remember to tag the guests too, so they can also share. Okay, now let's get to the show. Do you want to try something new, but fear it's too late for you? Are you someone who has difficulty finding the time to prioritize your own happiness? Do you have a dream or want to start a business, but you just aren't sure where to start? Today's guest is a career coach who will teach you how to ease into new beginnings and dreams, find your why, and prioritize happiness above all else. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim your right to creativity, take fear out of the driver's seat, and love, trust, and know yourself enough to pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. On the show, we explore the creative process and journey, mental health, self-development, spirituality, and everything it means to be a human and become more human. Today's guest is Elaine Lou Cardis. She's a business coach, career coach, and speaker for women of color and allies whose goal is to help small business owners align their business and life with their values, strengths, and personality to reach their goals and live life on their own terms. Elaine has been featured in Forbes, Business Insider, Money Magazine, Badassery Magazine, Pasadena Magazine, and Good Morning La La Land. She has spoken around the world, from Sweden to Indonesia. She's also created the Color Your Dreams podcast, which she hosts, a show that helps individuals take their vision and turn that into some sort of business or idea or success that they've always dreamed of. Elaine started her career as a grassroots organizer ended up going to graduate school. And a couple days after that, after she got her master's degree, realized she didn't want to keep going in a traditional path. She wanted to create her own life and started her coaching company within just a couple weeks. It's truly an amazing story, which she tells today on the podcast. She also has so much wisdom about mental health, spirituality, breaking generational cycles, all kinds of things. And from today's chat, you'll learn how to start setting boundaries, the gifts of confronting and healing from generational trauma, how to start and grow your big idea, how to know if you need a creative break, the power of shifting mindset from what do I want to achieve to how do I want to feel, and so much more. Two little notes before we get into the interview. First, Elaine and I recorded this when I was taking my break in May of 2022. So you'll hear us reference that. The other thing I just want to give you a little heads up on, because as a person who's an audio person, my ears would start to be like, what's going on here? I just wanted to let you, my beautiful listener, know that, you know, sometimes when we're hand talkers, our hands hit the mic. And I believe that was happening a decent amount throughout Elaine's audio. So if you hear a little tap-tap, that's just our dear friend being expressive. You can picture her using her hands and uh, it'll feel like you're right in the room. So anyway, now here she is, Elaine Lou Cartis. Well, Elaine, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I feel like we already have so much in common and I know you're going to really help me and my listeners on how we can really <laughs> unleash our inner entrepreneur. So thank you for being here.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I mean, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like, oh my gosh, so much to relate to. You had one on identity crisis. Like, well, I just published mine a couple of weeks ago on identity crisis because everyone's going through it with this past two years of the pandemic. We're really... Making sure we're happy fulfilled.
0: Yeah. As as that sounds. Yeah. No, I'm like still pretty much in the thick of it. I took this past month off of the podcast, like I'm doing interviews still, but I haven't been publishing the podcast for the past month because I'm trying to give myself space to think and figure things out. And yeah, it's really challenging. You know, this is an interesting thing, and I want to get into your story, but when you're up-leveling to an extent where you're not just like taking the next step in the same direction you've been going in a bigger way, but you're trying to go in a completely different direction and make sure it's in line with your soul, there's a little bit more pressure in figuring out the answers. So I'm curious for you and your identity crisis that you're going through, how have you been going about that?
1: Well, I want to commend you for taking a month off from the podcast. That's the one. And I share that because that's what I had to do. I had to figure out what was I doing to take a step back, to have time to really pause and reflect and ask those hard questions. So similar to you, that's what I did. I want to say it became really strong. And when I mean strong, I mean anxiety right Mm -hmm. that little fucker so anxiety (laughs) has been creeping up right last year I'm like hold on I have such a successful business like multi-six my business actually grew in 2020 and I was doing obviously virtually but virtually free events every month twice a month I'm like I just wasn't feeling it anymore and it's kind of upsetting too Where it's like everything I've built up to now how come I'm not happy anymore what's Mm -hmm. going on and I went from doing monthly events to bi-monthly to quarterly. So similar to you taking this month off and really asking myself, do I really want to do this? And also, I mean, I've heard you share this in other podcast episodes, but like, I really love podcasting. So I didn't have a podcast until this past year because it's like a journal entry. And I was just, I was so overdoing the same thing over and over again that I felt like I wasn't showing up in my most authentic self. Mm. So going through identity crisis was really pausing, like figuring out what things I didn't have to do all the time to give myself reflection on what I really want to do. And then testing things, because I think so often it's like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do this. But what is one small little taste I could do? And for me, even before I decided to do a podcast, I was just, I guess, interviewing in other podcasts and I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I shifted my business where I knew that I didn't want to work with beginning starting entrepreneurs anymore. I wanted Mm. to work with people that were more established. And that's different. That's a different target market. That's a different niche. That's a different way to approach business.
0: Yeah, totally. So that's something interesting that you bring up. And I've heard you kind of allude to that in other podcast interviews you do. But talking about the who you want to be reaching with your business, At what point when you're building a business should you be thinking about that? Because that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately with the podcast. I make music, like all these things I'm doing. I've been thinking about how many people I want to reach or the way I want to reach them. But I don't think I've been thinking about who enough. When do you start thinking about the who? It sounds like you're in a perfect time to do the who right now because you are
1: thinking about that, right? And I've been hearing your podcast, like with your identity crisis episode, where you're just doing all of these things. And if anything, because you're doing so much time and, hey, we have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, it's like, who deserves my time? That's a better question to ask. And when you're asking yourself who deserves your time, who fills you up and gets you excited to serve? And when I think about the people I'm excited to serve... It's not the, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to pay for my rent and pay for things? I mean, that's all really important. But I like serving my clients who they already have a proven service and proven results where they actually need help balancing their life again. And Mm. how are you going to structure your business around your life versus your life structuring around your business? That's what I've realized. And to my own clients, I ask them as they're, I call it purposely pivoting of who do you enjoy working with? And then when you figure out the who, then you work backwards from it. Okay, so who are your favorite clients that you've worked with? What do they all have in common? What were the topics you guys talked about that was really important? And it's even fascinating. I am a business and career coach for women of color and allies, but when I look at all of my emails, my podcast episodes. It's not even the business strategies people want to talk about. It's like the real deep shit. They're like, why I got rid of this program. I'm changing my business. They want to know my mistakes and my failures, what I had to do. And I will say, everybody, it takes a village.
0: When you're saying it takes a village, do you mean it takes a village of people that you are talking to or a village of people that you have backing you up who are helping you figure out what you put out there?
1: I think it's all of the above. I don't think it's one or the other, right? So When I was kind of in this, I want to shift my business, I made that list. Okay, here are the top clients that I love working with, whether currently or past. And then I did target market research, as you should, right? Just asking, hey, I just want to get your feedback. Why did you decide to work with me? What did you enjoy the most when you worked with me? How did you find me? Right? So there's that. There's that business part. But there is also, I mean, I have my own coaches and then I have my own therapist as well, right? Because what's happened is we've created this system. We know what the rhythms and the routines that has helped us become successful. And then it's like, you're burning it down to the ground. And it's like, WTF, what the hell are you doing? You built something so successful and you want to change it. But I also know money's energy. Money comes from the word current, currency. Money is meant to move. So if you're no longer aligned, your audience will feel it. Mm. And I couldn't, fake it I just knew I had to shift and change anything
0: yeah and it was interesting too because you mentioned something earlier this was like a huge lesson I recently had where I was doing a free seminar and I didn't really advertise it like I really just told a few people in my community and I wanted to do it to like give them thanks and I'm at a stage of my life where I need to stop doing so many free things because I don't have enough time to honestly but I wanted to do that I did but no one showed up. Everyone, it was only like six or seven people. Everybody forgot. It was like the day before Mother's Day. It wasn't a good time. I know I cried my eyes out, but after I was done having my little meltdown, I realized this is happening because you didn't charge. If you had even charged $5, those people would not have missed it because they gave you an exchange of energy for your time. And because they didn't, it didn't have value to them. And a lot of times I think Three things are great and it's great if you are getting some sort of energy exchange back. But when you're just putting that out there and just giving and giving and giving, people don't always appreciate it because they think it's always going to be there and at no cost to them. How do you feel about that and what have been your lessons that you've learned around giving away free things?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, this is a free thing, right? Yeah. Like doing this podcast where your listeners and my audience is listening and it's identifying What feels good to give for free and to give back? Maybe it comes from our Catholicism upbringing. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Catholicism upbringing, I don't know if you know this, but Mother Teresa was a millionaire. Get it, girl. (laughs) Yeah, she was a millionaire. No one thinks about that because we think about like, oh, they're driving a G-Wagon. They're showing it off. But she understood how money works, right? She asked for donations from big donors and gave it back to the community. So if we have big missions in this world, how are we supposed to, if we don't give ourselves, you know, just really put into water in ourselves first before to others? Right. So what you were just sharing about that free event that you did, like I said earlier, I used to do free events and I can't credit the term to myself, but it's a term that my own therapists have shared. It's called compassion fatigue. Mm. You're giving so much, but not getting anything back. And for me, that stems from my nonprofit life beforehand. But also, I think a lot to do with how I was in my family. I was the one that gave so much and was there all the time. And as women, that was the roles we played, too. I I always remind my clients, do you know women just started making money at the turn of the century? Like, this is a new concept. That's why there's so much pressure. And for me, I've learned if I'm going to host an event, yes, my clients will come to me. Now, do I regret doing the free events in the beginning of my business? I don't. That's what I needed to do. But at a, and then it just got to a point where I can't do it all the time. But I still want to give back, which is similar to you, Lauren, why I do a podcast, because this is the capacity I could give at. I'm at least holding space for one or two other people I'm interviewing, and that's it. Right. That's it.
0: Right. Yeah. Certain free offerings I do want to give. But I had a mentor recently tell me, like, you have to charge more money so that you can give more away, too. Yes, You know, so it's like, do it so you can be philanthropic and you can be an altruist. But also you have to, like, have the energy balanced. So, okay, I do want to get to your story a little bit because I think it's very interesting. Right before we both got on, we were talking about how we have a lot of crossover with our matrilineal lineage, I guess. <laughs> and both of our grandmothers were beauty store owners. So entrepreneurship runs in our blood. Also, mental health and mental health issues it run in my family. You just let me know they also run in yours. So a lot of things going on. And I'm just like glad to be with someone who relates to me and who talks about these things openly, too.
1: Yeah. And it's not something that's talked about. My grandmother has now passed. She passed away last year. And I didn't even know she was a beauty store owner until she died. Mind you, I have the typical like immigrant family story. My grandma was basically my third parent. While my parents were working, it was my grandma taking care of us. And to be honest, I didn't have a great relationship with my grandma growing up because she was so focused on teaching me how to be a housewife, essentially. yeah, She was like, come sweep this, wash the dishes. And I was like, nope, I'm going to get dirty with my brothers. I'm going to go out in the sun and you're going to put me in dresses and I'm going to rip the skirt and get bruises and scars. And, you know, you just get older, right? And you get to understand. And what I've learned from her was that that's what she had to do. I mean, her husband died from war and something that I've been learning, we are a post-war traumatic society. Mm. Sure, the war didn't happen in our lifetime. We're both millennials, but we are seeing the side effects of it and my grandma was in her 30s or 40s my mom was 16 at the time and she became a single mom and had to raise five kids so I also acknowledge how privileged I am that I don't have those stressors which is why it's important for me to put my mental health first and also to pay homage to all the generations before me that didn't have this choice. Right. To have this life of choice. I'm not even saying business owner or podcaster, but having a life of choice, this is the choice I'm choosing to do, spending time with you at 4 p.m. to do this podcast interview.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think about that all the time because my grandma was such a badass. And, like, I loved her so much, but I had a hard relationship with her because she came from abuse. So she, she broke the cycle of abuse but she still had a lot of harshness to her that bled into the way she raised us. So I had a hard time with it. But looking back on it, I'm like, oh, God, I wish I could have thanked her. I wish I could have asked her questions about when she was a like I beauty know. business owner. Like, I wish I could have known the full picture of what she survived and the cycle she stopped and the one she began so that we could continue them. So it is really beautiful and difficult and hard. The thing I love that you're talking about it, you told me you're studying trauma. Yeah, I'm
1: currently doing a trauma informed certification. And it's separate from being a therapist, right? But since I do serve women of color and allies, especially in the past two years, my clients are sharing with me deep, personal stuff. And it's really important for me to hold safe space for them as they're sharing. Mm. Sure, it's like not business strategy. But as you've mentioned, Jensen Sarah's quote, Every new level, there's a new devil. Yeah. And it's not even a business strategy. It's really going back to whatever mental block you're going through. Yeah, it's acknowledging it.
0: Right. And I love that you as a coach for these high-level women are acknowledging that because the thing that I realize and why mental health is such a big part of this podcast is that's a huge piece of what we do. Like the trauma that we've repressed, the trauma we're working through, all these things they inform how we are as artists, as entrepreneurs, as people. Like if we're not dealing with that, if we're not confronting that, we can't possibly be as effective and as fulfilled in our careers as we want to be. So I love that you're thinking about that. But to take us back a little bit, I want to know about your journey. I know you went from working in nonprofit to then transitioning into being your own boss. But like tell me about that and what your time in that world has taught you about being an entrepreneur.
1: A huge lesson that I hope all of your creative cuties get away from this <laughs> is that you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from every single experience. So it's never too late because you are meant to go through those past experiences. It's kind of like you were meant to have those X's before to find the one that you have now. Same thing. So my experience was I graduated <laughs> Man, our generation has gone through so much, right? I'm pretty sure all of you could like agree with that. But I graduated around the recession and I became a grassroots organizer. So I was the opposite. I didn't come from the Midwest and move to California. I'm from, born and raised California and moved to Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa.
0: Treacherous.
1: (laughs) And I worked on a congressional campaign. So I was one of those people that called you and reminded you to vote. And I used to do 400 calls a day, knocked on 30 doors an hour. So I learned how to be rejected real quick. But at the same time, I hated that job. Six months later, though, we organized 557 volunteers. So I also appreciated that I came into the workforce before social media became big because I really learned how to connect and build relationships with folks and really hear them. I was in meetings with other community leaders and understanding what issues were important to them and then just really got out the votes for candidates and issues that I worked for. Now it burned me out. Mm -hmm. And one of my mentors said, hey, you should be a fundraiser. So I became a fundraiser in politics and I was just kind of, just quite frankly tired of all the bullshit when it came to politics and I wanted to get out of it so then I transitioned and became a non fundraiser and to this day I say it was my dream job I worked at Pasadena City College and in six months we raised over 1.1 million dollars they recently got a 30 million dollar donation as well just to serve the community college kids yeah. and I had the best boss she really taught me what it became to be a leader. And I joke around with her. I was like, yeah, that was my best dream job, but I'm in my best dream business. And the moment I realized I wanted to start my business was the moment I graduated from getting my master's. So I just spent all this money to get my master's, just paid off $30,000 in debt from undergrad. And the day I graduated. Your Body Knows. There's a book called The Body Keeps Score. Yeah. your Body Tells You. And that is the hardest book I have ever read. It took me three months to read.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm reading some hard ones right now. Like there's some books where it's just like too much truth. Let me throw it across the room and come back when I'm ready. <laughs> That's how I feel about Codependent No More too. So hard. Oh,
1: Codependent No More changed my life. Yeah, That book, I read that book like yeah, like five, six years ago, I was like oh, that's that's
0: me. what's been happening. Well, I feel like in so many, because I mean, obviously we're from different cultures, but Italian culture sounds very similar in a lot of ways. Like, oh,
1: Catholicism has taken over Philippines. Yeah, like, I'm Filipino, so yes, right.
0: So, so we have a lot of overlap. But like their codependency, it was called just being alive. <laughs> like <laughs> it's called breathing. It's just we all feel what everyone feels and do what anyone ever tells us to do. Just that. So, yeah, healing well, from that, a, it's, a, it's a road.
1: <laughs> and what happened was the day I graduated, I didn't eat anything. And for Italians and Filipinos, we love eating. I didn't eat anything. So that was like a huge thing for a graduation party. I'm like, oh, I've been listening to what everyone's been telling me to do. I'm
0: Ooh. not going after
1: my own dreams. And that's when I started my coaching business was the day I graduated college. I mean, grad school.
0: Tell me how this transition looks. So you have the re- revelation. You're like, I'm not eating. I'm not myself. I don't feel me. How was the transition from having that realization into starting the business? What was the time frame? What did it look like?
1: Probably two weeks. I started, I mean, like when I know something, I know something. So I started contacting friends that I knew that had their own business. I didn't know it was being a coach, by the way. I just knew I wanted to have my own business. And I just started connecting with friends. And then one of them said, Hey, you should hire your own business coach. And I hired one. And and as we're talking about grandmothers, so my other grandmother, and this is how I knew this was like my life calling, was I took the day off. I had to bring my grandma to the eye doctor because she needed a new prescription. So I was like, well, I might as well take the day off. I might as well file my DBA at the state of California that same day. This is when Zoom wasn't big. I had a phone call and I got my first paying client.
0: Okay, so you really just leapt. Now, some people, it takes a while for us to like build our brains up enough to be like, okay, I can do this. If you're a person who's in that phase where you're in a job you don't really like, maybe you're even in a school program you're not a huge fan of, and you know you need to start over, what would be your advice to them on how to get to the place where they have the courage to go for it? Yeah,
1: well, first off, I know movies and Hollywood shows you, like, you need to go take the leap, and then Things come to you but hey I understand you got bills to pay maybe you have kids like you can't just take that risk so it gets really overwhelming to think of that like okay I know how it looks like this is exactly how it's gonna look like and how it's gonna feel the home I'm gonna live at rather than making it so overwhelming of knowing that and it is important to know that that big goal that big five-year vision is what is one baby step you can do And for me, at the time when I graduated from grad school, it was, well, let me have some conversations with other business owners. It's kind of like, you know, that moment when you realize I want to be healthy, like I can't be eating shit anymore. So then who can I talk to? Who are friends I can talk to that have a healthy lifestyle so I could be encouraged? It's kind of like finding that support system. It's being able to be among peers who are going or have gone through that situation because, so often we think we're alone, when in reality, humans have been here for millions of years.
0: Ah, That does make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> that we're all crazy? Yes. Well, yeah, that we've been here for millions of years. Like, I saw a quote recently, it was like, because obviously going through this thing where I'm just trying to reconfigure my life. Like, you know, think of everything you've survived, but then think of everything your ancestors survived just for you to be here right now. Like, the fact that you're even here is a miracle. So... That's, you know, step one. You can feel good about that and then go from there. I don't know
1: if you've heard of this quote, and it's not mine, but it's like our grandparents survived so that our parents could provide and our parents could provide so that we can thrive.
0: Mm, I love that. No, never heard it.
1: Yeah. And I don't know who it is because I need to acknowledge them. And it's important to remember that because I know when we go through the pressures of this is what I want to do. And then our parents tell us one thing or a generation tells us other things, but it's comes to that understanding of, well, they were struggling with this. So their goal, like my dad's goal was to have food on the table for me and my brothers to have a college degree. That was his two goals in life. And I'm just honoring it by doing what I want to do. And my brothers are doing completely different things. They are not entrepreneurs, but they're doing what they want to do.
0: Right. Okay. so if we go back to the whole fear thing, is there anything you think you absolutely have to have in place before you take the leap? Like, Is there something you've seen through your clients that you would say really helps them when they're transitioning from a full-time job to doing their own business?
1: I was listening to your episode, your identity crisis one. And I remember you listing all of the accomplishments that you've created. Like, oh my God, I'm working with this producer that's worked with big names. And I just want to remind folks, I know it's easy to list those wins probably once in a while, but I would say listing that every single day, even the small ones, even that I had a conversation with so-and-so, even if it doesn't lead to them becoming a client or a possible opportunity But reminding yourself like, wow, there is movement that is happening, going to this bigger dreams. And as you see that list grow and grow and you're feeling more confident, that's when you could take the leap of faith. But we work so hard on creating a to-do list that we never put the to-be list, the winning list, those wins,
0: those are important. Yeah. So you're saying write down your list of accomplishments or things you're proud of or like tangible things that you have done. And then it also sounded like you were saying write down your list of people that you know, because I know a big part of your business is that you've built pretty much completely organically utilizing that grassroots mentality that you had when you worked for these nonprofits and taking that into your coaching business. How can we start to utilize an organic growth model like you have? Like, what are your tactics for figuring out who you actually have in your network and the best way to build relationships with them?
1: It's gonna sound so simple, but I'm gonna tell all of you guys, people have paid me a shit ton of money to raise (laughs) millions for them. And like, that's it. Just like I said earlier, humans have been around for millions of years. So this is not like a crazy idea. But actually the question is, where is your list of people? Where are your contacts? So are they on your LinkedIn? Are they on your Gmail? Are they on Instagram? Wherever it is. And then what I tell people is play some fun music. So I will share this with your audience. I have a Mr. Bears Budget Bangers. It's 1990s and 2000s hip hop. So I play that Spotify playlist (laughs) in the background or whatever you want to listen to. And look through your list A through Z. And there's a couple of things that you want to do. You're going to look at when, if they are someone that you would want to talk to, right? Or two, if you just in your gut feeling, I know you talk about the gut all the time, like, hey, I know they're not necessarily someone that may not understand my work, but they're probably a super connector. Mm. So start putting a list together of people that you possibly want to connect with. Maybe it's possible clients, maybe it's people that understand the pain of future clients that you want to work with, or maybe they're just a super connector and they want to connect with others.
0: And do you always I know you said you'll reach out to people on Instagram and just be like, hey, I saw that we're both in L.A. What what part of town are you in? What's your favorite coffee place or something like that? At what point do you go from building a relationship to then transitioning over to if you ever want help with this? I'm here. In the beginning
1: of my business, I was hustling a lot like I didn't care. I'll just talk to anyone. But now that I have a lot more clients, my time is even more important but there are times when I'm on Instagram or I was at a virtual event earlier today. I'm like, this person looks really cool. I just want to talk to them. And they're not even a potential client, but I just know, just like you and me, like how we got connected. So thank you, Cam, for connecting. Yes, like, Cam I just want to connect. I just want to connect with per- this person, but also I want folks to know to be completely unattached to the result. It's kind of like when you're dating, right? You're not going to be like, oh, my God. On the first date, I need to know that this person's going to be the one. Then how the hell are you supposed to enjoy everything else? That's like a lot of pressure. But yeah. just, okay, where can this go? But I actually just converted a new one-to-one client. And that was a conversation I had with her about a year ago. We just conducted through a referral. And she's just been following me, reading my emails, listening to my podcast. We're like, hey, I do want to work with you now.
0: Mm. You have an email list, I'm assuming, from what you just said. Yeah? Yes, I do. How do you bring value on an email list? Because people are so inundated. How do you make sure you're giving something that is valuable and not spammy? So,
1: I actually have my own newsletter, and I'll give an example of what I do so others can do it. And I miss the old days, like the Zanga, Live Journal days.
0: Yes.
1: You know, I remember like stalking it where I wanted to see my crushes back in the day and see, oh my God, are they going to write about me? Or <laughs> or just like reading about what movies that they've watched. And what's interesting is in my newsletter, you can join, it's called the Color Jeans newsletter. You could go to com slash join. But every Monday an email gets sent out and it is like that. For example, one email I shared I'm actually drafting it right now. I don't know if you've watched This Is Us because the last episode came out. But I just shared, oh my gosh, this last episode. And this is my big takeaways from it mm. and why you should watch it. It has nothing to do with business, but people like getting to know you on a personal level. But then in that, then I have different segments of here's my business tip. Here's my career tip. Here's a client win. And then this is how you could work with me. Mm. So... That's how I've maintained my list. And at the end of each email, it's, do you know one or two people that would benefit from this email, forward them
0: this email? That's really cool.
1: Yeah. I've just made it personal. I mean, my podcast is personal, but in my emails, I make it in a different way Mm -hmm. because it's a new day. It's a Monday. But what's interesting is every single time I give people a recommendation of a show to watch, like Bridgerton season two, I get more hits and likes and reply backs on that than my business tips. It's just people
0: want to get to know you. I think that's so true because people are looking for something that's relatable. See, this is something I've been obsessed with, and maybe you'll have an opinion on this. Right now, I'm obsessed with building community because I'm working with these people They're very special and they're saying amazing things, but I know it's not just what they're saying. It's somehow, it's how they're saying it and how people are connecting and relating to that and then galvanizing each other to come back to the content or the person or the brand. So I've been obsessed with figuring out what makes people obsessive when it comes to community. What do you think it is that makes an obsessed community for a person or brand?
1: we're social human beings, right? I want to emphasize on the beings part. We are social human beings to be ourselves, not human doings of doing all the things like working all the time. And as we were saying, there's been millions of people in this world. I teach the same thing other people teach, right? Like how to make money, how to run a business. These are the programs that you're going to have. But what makes me unique or Lauren, you unique or other people unique is our stories, our personality, who we are, how we're going to deliver it, right? I mean, you have a podcast, I have a podcast, but they're both different from our own personalities and how we are just being ourselves.
0: So you think it's the personality of the person that makes people keep coming back?
1: I think it's relatable, like how they're relatable mm. to them. So for example, because I serve women of color and allies, every so often, actually all the time when I'm on a sales call, someone wants to work with me. This is the compliment they give me. It's so nice to see someone that looks like me. So by someone else seeing them like, hey, thank you so much like for doing it, it gives them hope, right? It's like for you. You get the best hits and topics on mental health, right? So obviously you're going to attract so many people where mental health is so important for them because you're so vulnerable in sharing that. That's mm-hmm. one of the top things that you share.
0: Yeah, so it's finding people who are like like the same things you like, who struggle with the same things you struggle with, have a similar experience and helping them feel seen and tell their own stories.
1: And you give them hope, right? Where it's like wow, she just shared all her generational trauma. And also, she's being real. She has no answers for the shit she's going through. Like, if she could be confident and sharing and sh- if Lauren can be confident in just being, Lauren's giving me confidence to just be and not have to figure everything out
0: right mm. now. So I want to talk about a little bit more of like the brass tacks, like money. That's something that's hard if you're an entrepreneur or a creative and you have certain ideas around what money is. We've already touched on that a little bit. But when you were starting out your coaching business, how did you start setting your price? And what's your advice for somebody who's starting to set prices on how they can go about that?
1: Oh, so I know money can be triggering, by the way. And I'm not going to have like a solid ABC, this is the formula, right? Yeah. So what helps me before I figure out the pricing or what I help my clients figure out is how long do you need to be working with a client for them to have the results or the transformation that they desire for themselves? So at the time when I first started, it was like, okay, it's a month. But honestly, it should have been longer. I just felt confident it was a month. How many sessions? It's going to be four sessions. And then I charged like $500 for four sessions. That's I think 125
0: That's so cheap in the world of coaching.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, my pricing has absolutely increased and changed, but sometimes you just have to go through it. So yeah. I went through it and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm giving so much time and energy. And for those that have a service-based business, for those that are coaches that are listening, you then quickly realize your clients aren't just working with you based off the sessions. They're working with you so that you are holding energetic space for your client 24-7. Like, I joke around with my clients. I'm like, when I take a shed and shower, I think about you. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is an incredible idea for them. Or, oh, are they not feeling good? Like, oh, let me send them a voice memo. Like, I'm just holding that energetic space for them.
0: So how did you know when it was time to raise your prices? What did that look like?
1: (laughs) For me, I, I started feeling resentful.
0: Ah, okay. I had that
1: feeling like, God, they're getting so much from me. And that's when I just decided to change my pricing. I mean, I've been in business for almost five years now. I started in 2017. So in July of this year, 2022, it's going to be by five years. It's a mix of things now because I do have a team. So it's paying my team and also making sure it's client-centered. How long does a client need to be with me for them to get the results that they deserve to receive? And not just monetarily, but also their lifestyle and life. How long do they need to be with me? And also, I've been in business for five years. I have a shit ton of client results. Like,
0: I know my worth. Yeah. Read them and weep, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone listening has, you know, maybe they're also Catholic, who knows? There could be a lot of things. With Catholicism, not only do we not make money, but we're expected to give 10% away. <laughs> <laughs> and not only am I not going to take offering. your money, let me pay you for helping you. Um, no, but if we do have a troubled relationship or a troublesome relationship with money, and we know we need to raise our prices, but we're having trouble knowing that we deserve it, do you have any tried and true methods that you've used or you've seen people use to heal their relationship with money and ask for what they're worth?
1: Yeah, so I actually asked the question: How do you want your life to look like? Mm. Right? So not even thinking about the money, but like thinking, how do you want your life to look like? Are you having lunch and dinner with your partner? Like every day? How many days are you working? Right? So how does that life look like? Mm. How many hours are you working per week? And then here comes the hard questions. Is that reflective right now in your current business? What needs to start changing? If you're going to work X amount of hours, and you want to go travel once a month or quarterly? then how much do you need to make per month? And then from the how much do you need to make per month, then how much clients, how much per month? So, and it goes back to what is the life you want? I mean, I've shared with my clients, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have lunch and dinner with my computer all the time. Like I actually want to have
0: it with my boyfriend and being present. Yeah, I love that. So it's like you basically figure out the life you want, work your way backward, and then- It's less of an emotional thing at that point and more of a logical thing. How do I make the money I need for the life I want?
1: And then also ask yourself, how does that make you become a better partner Mm. and a better daughter and even being more present at those family parties if you choose to go or the ones you actually want to go to or even being more present being with your friends rather than, oh, my gosh. I I can't go to this lunch because I have to pay for things or just any of the other things.
0: That's a great point you bring up because I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this. My roommate, who's one of my best friends, she has an amazing business. She does music consulting, but she's really struggling right now because she's basically burning herself out working all day long. And I keep saying to her, girl, like you're amazing at what you do. You have results. Why don't you work less hours? But I think she feels like she can't. Because at first it was a hustle, right? And so I guess if you've gotten into a phase where you're really spinning your wheels and in workaholism, how do you start to separate yourself from that and get more toward this holistic thing you're talking about where you have a balanced life?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is hard, right? I mean, we live in a society where our identity is what we do, whether it is a job or business. And reminding yourself of what are the other roles that you have in your life. That's important to you, right? Granddaughter, daughter, partner, dog owner. Yes. (laughs) Human being, you know, traveler. Like, what are your other roles? And then from there, understanding those roles, then when do I fit those roles into my life? Like, if we schedule so often for our meetings, are we doing that? within our own personal life
0: Mm -hmm.
1: my boyfriend's like next door and i yell at him and i'm like put that in my calendar when like we plan like double dates with our friends and adding that in but it took me a while to get there because i used to be so reactive i know we're doing this interview on mondays but tuesday through thursday those are the days i do calls and the mondays are my ceo days and i just become creative and fridays i like take the day off or i just connect with someone else i really have four day weekends love that it took me a while to set those boundaries, but at the same time, I also see how I'm a better coach to my own clients, how I'm being more present with them. And it also aligns with my values because if I'm all about helping my clients purposely pivot to have an aligned business that matches their life, then I'm also doing that.
0: You just described my dream life. I literally over the weekend said to my boyfriend, the weekend should be four days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm living your dream life. You You have this too, Lauren.
0: I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You've inspired me. But it's so true. It's like, yeah, I just think we have so much more power than we want. And I love this idea that you brought up of scheduling even your personal events. Like I've started doing things like that where it's like before I throw myself into my work email... Let me look at my personal email for 20 minutes and handle anything that's really important to me. Because if I'm just throwing myself into work and giving all of myself to that and never giving anything to myself as a being, not a doing, then what kind of message am I sending to the universe and my subconscious about what I want to create in my life? It's all going to be about that hustle. None of it's going to be about the soul. So I love that you bring that up. And I think it's such a powerful and important point. Something else that's powerful and important is finding your why. You talk about this a lot. Yours is super deep. Goes back to some of the things we were talking about in the beginning. But I'm curious about why is your why important and how to find it? And then once you find it, how does that guide you?
1: So my why, you will love this answer. I don't know if this is going to be in video, but I am wearing a necklace with two red roses it's actually custom made from Etsy. And then this is a real gold necklace chain from my aunt. But the two red roses symbolize both my grandmothers. They both love red roses. So my why is at the matriarchs of my family, like all the generations before me. And like I said earlier in this podcast is all the generations before me have given me a life of choice. So that's what has helped and encouraged me. To go and do the thing that I am passionate about, but also not be attached to this has to be the one, right? Because I'm also mindful we're humans, we're gonna evolve. So if this shit changes, that's cool. And all that matters is that I am happy and aligned. And for others, I'm not saying your why has to be another human, like it doesn't necessarily have to be a family member, but why are you doing this in the first place? Right. Like, why would you be willing to want to leave a nine to five job or to move to a different state? Why is it important to you? If it is because as corny as it sounds, you want to change other people's lives or Mm -hmm. you've undergone this thing. And, you know, by doing this one methodology or thing, you need to teach other people. What is it? But it's actually important to understand and remember what your why is, because shit's hard, man. You know, like. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not even saying business, I'm just going to say life. Life is hard. I was sharing, I was talking to another client of mine and I do recommend all my clients have therapists. I have a therapist myself. I actually got two because I'm crazy dreams, you know, but I was sharing with her as millennials, like not only have we had individual trauma, we've had collective trauma. There was 9-11, there's a recession mm-hmm. 2020 a lot of shit happened i mean things that's happened in ukraine there's inflation we've had a lot of collective trauma
0: yeah and we've got the older people shitting on us and the younger people shitting on us all of them telling us how stupid we are <laughs> gen z <laughs> thinks we're like losers Uh, The baby boomers think we're assholes. I mean, we've got it coming from every direction. I feel like, you know, we're like the generation that got upwardly shit and downwardly shit on.
1: I know. We're that sandwich generation because I don't know if you felt this way when we were kids because I'm only a year older. I'm 34. Okay. But when it was the 90s, when we were kids, I was like, wow, I'm going to be able to do anything in my life because economy was great. Oh, yeah. I literally thought that at this time, I don't know, I was going to have some big ass mansion.
0: Fully. Fully. Okay. So let's talk about that because I think that's part of why I'm I'm freaked out at this point.
1: <laughs> it's I like, know. I listen to your podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, you know, because you've heard my brain just spewing. So how do you get over the difference between what your little child's brain thought and what the reality is and the fact that you are very successful but mm. it's not what you envisioned because you didn't know what the world was but then that kid is still somewhere inside of you like fighting for more okay okay tell me i got it i yeah. got the answer okay
1: i don't think i could you know save the world but i got i got it an <laughs> yeah yeah for you. well first off right acknowledging that we live in this capitalistic society So the definition of success and happiness is to work, right? So Mm -hmm. that's why for me, not even kidding, I was like, I'm going to live in this New York penthouse and have servers. That's what I thought happiness and success looks like. And actually, what I've realized, and that's why I've made so many pivots and changes within my own career, within my own personal life, is how do you want to feel?
0: Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah, right? Like, I'm going to give an example, and I'd love your thoughts on this, Lauren, but, like, how do I want to feel? I'm like, I just want to be fucking happy. So two weeks ago, right, I have a Peloton. This sounds very LA millennial. I'm like, I don't want to be on the Peloton. I'm going to stare at a screen and hear Cody talk to me. Love Cody, by the way, but I'm like, I don't want to be in my house. Like, what's going to make me happy right now? Literally an hour before, I'm like, I'm going to go to the Cycle class. I have not been to one in two years. And then I went and like that feeling euphoria of being in like a dark black room and it was a Nicki Minaj versus Ariana Grande ride. I was like, oh my God, I'm feeling like I'm in my 20s doing the clubbing, except not drinking the alcohol, but losing calories. Like I had fun and happiness again. Wow. And doing that class like reminded me, well, that's what success is. For me, right? That feeling. What do you want to feel? Understand what that feeling said for me. I just want to be fucking happy. So before this interview, I just walked around my
0: neighborhood. That's what was going to make me happy. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, this is it. This is the takeaway of the episode for me. (laughs) Shift your thought process from what do I want to achieve? What do I want to accomplish? How can I be most important to what do I want to feel? How can I actually feel happy? On a daily basis or a more frequent basis? How can I gain peace? How can I be part of a community and bring healing to myself and others? Like, these are the real questions. And I think, at least for me, why I took this pause it sounds like for you too is like, how can mm-hmm. I, what if I get to all those things I think I want and I'm still sad?
1: Have you watched Viola Davis's interview with Oprah? No. Oh, God, you need to watch it. Okay, It's on Netflix. It's like 45 minutes long. I highly recommend you and all of your listeners watch it. But you obviously know who she is. She's gotten every single award. But she talked about like, I gained all these awards and I'm not happy. Yeah. And it goes back to, well, how do I want to feel in my life? Right. And yeah, how do you want to feel? I just, (laughs) that's what I want to say.
0: Yeah, I think that that's so important. And I think. It goes back to, like, also knowing what you do know. Like, we both knew we needed some space to figure things out, right? So we we subtracted from yes. our lives. Took,
1: honoring yeah. how we felt. By yes. the way, that's what I want you to hear. Lawrence. honoring how she's feeling. I honor what I feel. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. And then now we're figuring out how we want to feel and how the choices that we're making can lead us to that feeling. Yeah. That's it.
1: And also a couple of things. One is I use that feeling as like my guiding light. Like, okay, God, this client is a lot of fun. I really want to work with this person. Or, wow, Lauren seems really cool. I want to connect with her. And then look, we were just like connecting over email and you asked me to be a podcast guest. But also... I don't want to create this toxic positivity where it's like, okay, this is the feeling. How do I get there? I also want to be mindful of mental health, right? Right. You can't just be like, I want to have fun. Okay, I'm going to go do SoulCycle. I'm going to go do this. But if you acknowledge that there's blocks and I'll be vulnerable, I notice, okay, this is how I want to feel. But there is clearly blocks. I went back to therapy. I specifically do EMDR therapy. I'm such a huge advocate for EMDR Mm. therapy. It's like the number one... Trauma evidence based therapy that actually heals the trauma because it's all from our brain to help us when you're in a present moment or in the future and you get triggered it doesn't trigger you as much. So I will share. I knew I wasn't feeling like this. I knew I needed professional help and it's been helping. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying you do that. Yeah, exactly what you said. Find the tools that will help you get there.
0: Mm, I love this. Well, you are a gem. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing so vulnerably and. Giving some great takeaways too. I mean, I wanted to delve more into like, how do you do this? And how, do you, but it felt like it needed a more holistic conversation today. So I'm really glad we went where, where spirit led us,
1: where the Holy <laughs> Spirit led us, we followed. Well, I think you'll love something that I learned this past weekend. Yeah. Don't be a how whore, you know, just be. Yeah. Just honor how you're feeling. Totally. And then find the right tools for you or that right support system to help you get to the other side.
0: Oh, I've been such a how whore. I want to reform. <laughs> <laughs> I've been how to. A revolution. Yeah, totally. I think that's so true, though, because like even with the podcast, when I started, it was all like, I have to give takeaway and it has to be like tangible takeaway every minute. And then I was like, you know what? Past year, actually, I'm, like, I just want to be myself and share what yeah. I'm going through, and have people on who do that too. And so I appreciate that you're one of them. We gave some good house still. We didn't whore ourselves out with them, though. <laughs> and we, I thought that this was a very wholesome podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank you so much for having me and having this real conversation.
0: Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you. Grateful. Thanks for listening and thanks to my guest, Elaine Lou Cartis. For more info on Elaine, follow her at Lou underscore. Also, check out her website, elainelou.com where you can find her podcast Color Your Dreams, her blogs, or you can even schedule a career or business coaching session with her. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode of Unleash, you can follow her at Rach E Fulton. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren the Grosso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. My wish for you this week is that instead of asking yourself, "What do I want to achieve?" ask yourself, "How do I want to feel? How do you want to feel on a daily basis? What would creating your dream life feel like? Start with the feeling and work backwards." I love you and I believe in you talk with you next week.